0: We have finished the various Masail pertaining to Taharat and after Taharat comes the Masail of Salah which we are bringing this kitab. We are now continuing with the Masail of Zakat Number 1. Types of wealth on which Zakat is Fardh. Gold and Silver. Whether they in the form of bullion, jewellery cash, banknotes utensils or any other form, whether used or not. So, if a person has any type of jewelry, any gold, any silver, he has cash, or he has gold or silver utensil, gold tray, silver tray, then he will have to pay zakat on it, irrespective of whether he's using it or not. In the Hanafi Masab, that doesn't make a difference. A person will have to pay zakat. When they are equal or more, then the nisab rate, the nisab of gold is 87.48 grams and silver, 612.36, 612.36 grams. But if a person has cash, and he has gold and silver as well, then in this instance, we're not going to look at this calculation, this Nisab of 612 grams of silver and 87.48 grams of gold. We don't look at it because a person got cash as well. So all we do, we take the value of the gold, whether it's jewelry, whatever, just take the value of it, Take the value of the silver and you add it to the cash that you got. And then you see whether you come to the nisab, which is about 8,000 rands. See if you come to the nisab or not. If you come to the nisab or more than the nisab, you pay zakat. If you're under the nisab, then there is no zakat. But if, for example, a person only got jewelry, only got gold, for example, now you have to look how much of gold has the person got. He doesn't got cash, hasn't got no silver, got nothing else. For example, an old lady, she only got maybe her ring that is left or she got a bangle that is left so we will now take it and we will wait and if it is less than 87.48 grams then there's no nisab, there's no zakat on her because she hasn't reached the nisab. the market price of gold and silver will be taken uh, will be taken on the day when zakat is calculated meaning the day we calculating zakat you'll we'll have to check what's the market value of the gold what's the market value of the silver and according to that you will calculate your zakat for 24 karat gold, there will be a different price. 21 carat, different price. 22 carat, different price. 18 carat, different price. In regards to 9 carat, although some ulama say that in 9 carat there's more metal than uh, gold, there's only about 37% uh, of gold that is in 9 carat, and majority of it is other metal content. So some ulama say you don't have to pay, but the cautious view is rather they also, a person, should pay the zakat. Number two. Merchandise for business equal to the value of Nisab. Person got stock goods in his shop, and the goods are equivalent to Nisab 8,000 or more than 8,000. You have to pay zakat when discharging zakat on one's merchandise. Then the market value of your area will be taken into consideration. When you're calculating zakat, then what is the selling price? How much you're going to get for the goods? That's approximately the market value of it. That is the value that you will pay zakat on. You don't pay zakat on cost price. You pay zakat on the market value which is approximately the selling price on that you will pay zakat. Many people ask can we give stock like they got old stock that is in the shop. It's still brand new but what I'm saying like they bought it some time back. Maybe it's not selling and they got it in a shop and they want to give it in zakat. No problem. We can even give that in zakat but at the current market value. Maybe for example a person he bought a trouser. When he bought it At that time, maybe it was 200 Rand. But now it's out of fashion. So nobody buys it. So the market value of that trouser today is, let's say it's only 50 Rand. So when you're giving that trouser in zakat, you will give it at the 50 Rand price. You can't give it at the 200 Rand price anymore. Because we're looking at the current market value. Number three, livestock. These are just the basic masaya. Very, very simple. There's a lot of details to everything. Where a person needs help, then a person should seek help. Number three, livestock. If the livestock are for trade, then, two and a half percent of the total value will be given in zakat if a person got cows, a person got goats, sheep, whatever it might be, and it's for selling. Then you will take the value of the animals, combine them all together, let's say they come to two hundred thousand right, so you just give two and a half percent of that if kept for milking or breeding, then zakat will be calculated on the number. But if you have animals that you're just deriving milk from, you derive milk and you drink from them they're not for selling or you're breathing your animals. Then also, then the, there is zakat, but then it will not be on the value of the animal. Now it becomes number. For example, if you got 40 to 120 goats, then you have to give one goat in zakat. If you got 121 to 200 goats, then you have to give two goats in zakat. Or for example, a person got 30 cows, then you have to give one cow in zakat. Right? And if you got 40 cows, then you give uh, one cow that is a three-year-old, you give in zakat. If you got five to nine camels, five to nine camels, then you have to give one goat in zakat. So see, it all differs. So all this has to now be calculated that how much a person has to give in zakat for the animals. But in the animals that a person has, this is when the animal, animals are free grazing. They eat the grass, etc. that naturally grow. But let's say there's no natural grass. You buying the fodder and you feeding the animal, then you don't have to pay zakat. Because you are actually feeding the animal. So in that case, even if it's for breeding, there's no zakat. It's only for sale. If it's for sale and you feeding the animal, then still you still have to pay zakat. But if it's for breeding purposes, then there won't be zakat. So there's a lot of details when it comes to animals. Number four, income of properties if equal to the value of nisab. If a person has got properties from which he's deriving income. So under property, there's no zakat. But the income that is derived from the property, you'll pay zakat only in the day you're calculating zakat, that money is still available. If before that you already spend the money, no problem, now you don't have to pay zakat on that as well. Number five, income derived from a hiring business such as crockery, motor cars, vans, trucks, etc. Person <coughs> got a hiring business, so he hires out crockery or cars or whatever it might be. So on the actual assets of the business, there's no zakat on that. That you don't have to pay zakat. But on the income that you derive, if when calculating zakat, the income is still available, then you pay zakat only on the income. If the money was spent before your zakat no zakat at all. Number six, outstanding cash and loans when repaid and if equal to Nissan. So let's say a person is calculating his zakat. When he's calculating his zakat, he, he's got, for example, 10,000 rand. So he has to pay two and a half percent of the 10,000 Rand. But there's another 10,000 Rand. Maybe he loaned to his brother. So his brother is owing him 10,000 Rand. So in total, this person he actually owns 20,000. If he has hoped that the brother is going to pay the 10,000 Rand, then you have two options. The one option is you pay the Zatar every year. So when your brother gives you your money, now for the past years, there's no zakat. It has been paid every year. It has been paid. But let's say you never pay every year. You said, "No, when he gives me, I'm going to pay." And he paid you the 10,000 after three years. So three years you never pay Zakat on the 10,000. So for the past three years now, you must pay Zakat on that 10,000 rent. Number seven: plots with the intention of resale. You bought a piece of land, but when you bought the land, or even a house, you bought with the intention that I want to resell it. You bought an apartment or whatever it might be to resell. So on that day is zakat. At the market value of that plot or that house, you'll have to pay zakat. Number eight, shares. If one bought shares with the intention of reselling, zakat will be due on the prevailing market value of the shares. A person, he bought shares. We're not talking of JSE here. JSE, we don't approve of JSE. So we're talking of shares. For example, a person he bought in a mall. He bought some shares. They were building a mall. So he bought a few shares there. But the shares were not as an investment to derive income. It was with the intention that I will resell these shares. So if you bought for reselling, what is the current market value of that share? You'll have to pay zakat on that. If the shares are of a company that engages in trade, zakat will be due on the value of the share. If the shares of a company that engages uh, in the shares are of a company that engages in trade, zakat will be due on the value of the share as well as on the profits. So say for example, you bought shares in a shop. In somebody's business, you bought a share there. So they are now trading. So the value of the shop, of the stock that is in the business, that you'll have to pay zakat. There's no zakat on fixture fixture and fittings. So you need the balance sheet in order to work out what is the stock of the business and what is the Fixture and fittings of the business. So the motor vehicles of the business, the fixture and fittings of the business, all that is excluded. So you take the net stock of the business, on that day is zakat. And whatever income you derive from the business, you will pay zakat on that also, but again on condition that when you're calculating zakat, the the money, the funds are available. If you used it before that, no problem, there is no zakat. If the shares of a hiring company, zakat will only be obligatory on the profits accrued from the rentals. So say, for example, you invested in a, uh, in a hiring business where they hire cars out. So where they're hiring cars out, there a person doesn't pay on the value of the cars like we did just now. But the income that is derived only on that a person will have to pay zakat. And we do one last one, number nine. Removable gold or silver limbs or fillings for nose, teeth, etc. So you got gold or silver limbs that a person got, or fillings for the nose, teeth etc, uh, that he will pay zakat. But if it's not removable, so in other words it is attached now, it can never ever be removed, then the is a person will not have to pay. That will be regarded as part of the body now. Okay, sir, one question. I think most people have the misconception, you must keep the money for one year, and then only the zakat is due and that money you have for one year. Yeah, that's wrong. It's actually the first time in your life when you get the zakat, Then the first time in your life after you became valid, you got nisab. So you need to record that date down. So let's say, for example, the Islamic, the Islam, zakat is calculated according to the Islamic, date, not the English calendar. So let's say the first of Muharram, the first of Muharram, uh, 1442, a person, he got nisab. Now he waits for one year and he has to maintain that Nisab for one year. If 1st of Muharram 1443, he still had Nisab. So now he had the Nisab for one year. So that 1st of Muharram 1443 became his Zakat day. Person, zakat not only paid in Ramadan. It all depends when you got the Nisab first time in your life. After you became Bali. We're supposed to write it. But we negligent. People don't write it. That's why everybody thinks that, oh no, zakat, only Ramadan, you give zakat in Ramadan. No, zakat is not only paid in Ramadan. And number two, people need money throughout the year. They don't only need the money in Ramadan. That is why it is permissible for a person to pay the zakat, although it's best to pay it out one time, but you can even pay it little, little at a time, so that people's needs can be fulfilled throughout the year, till the next zakat date comes in. If the next zakat date came in, and a person didn't yet discharge the previous year's zakat, then a person will be sinful. So this is for one year. Now when you got your zakat date, let's say now 1st of Muharram 1443 became the zakat date because he maintained that nisab for one year. Now let's say 1st of Muharram 1444, one day before that, on the last day of Zulhijjah, a person inherited 1 million rand. So it's only one day. Next day is his zakat date. He has to pay zakat on the 1 million rand. Understand? So you don't keep, that doesn't mean that you're going to keep that 1 million rand for one year and then pay zakat, no no, you have to pay, immediately next day you'll have to pay zakat on the 1 million rand. MashaAllah, it's a very important question. Please, right? rahman the next topic we have, namaz, Faraz namaz parneke Tarike ka bayaan. this is the manner of performing the Faraz namaz. Now this kitab, this was written for females, so he will explain How the females should perform the salah and females do listen to the program as well. So we'll do it both. We'll do the males and the females together. Namaz ki niyat karke Allahu akbar kahe. A person should have niyat of performing the faraz namaz or what we said like Sunnat or nafil. But in Sunnat and nafil, he can make a general niyat. So whether he's reading faraz uh, or sunnah, whatever, he makes his niyat and he says Allahu akbar. When we say Allahu Akbar, then we need to lift both the hands up to the earlobes. It's not necessary to touch the earlobes. If you touch the earlobes, no problem. That's our indication. But if you bring it in line with the earlobes, then it is fine. Now see how my hands are. When we say Allahu Akbar, I see many people, they say Allahu Akbar like this. Some people say like this, their hands are like this. Your hands must be in the direction of Qibla. When you perform in Salah, every limb must be facing in the direction of Qibla. So when you say Allah, Akbar, from the when we say start with Allah, from your Allah, like this, right? So a person, his head must be kept straight all the time. Sometimes we do drop our heads, but generally the head must be kept straight, and your gaze must be at the place of Sajda, where your head is going to touch in Sajda. Your gaze should be there. So a person is standing straight, gaze at the place of Sajda. Allahu Akbar. Now when we tie the hand, it must be below the navel. Many people I see, that it's on the navel, and for the Shafi is above the navel. But many people's hand is on the navel, it shouldn't be on the navel, it must be below the navel. And the three fingers should be on the forehand here. And with the baby finger, and with the thumb, we will make a ring. And in this way a person commences his salah. Right. So the head must be kept straight throughout Throughout the namaz The head of a person will be kept straight But the gaze Depending which posture you're in That's where you'll keep the gaze That is still coming ahead We'll do it when we come there But for a woman When she's saying Allah Akbar The dupatta that she's wearing That burqa that she's wearing She mustn't take her hand out of that burqa Out of that dupatta. In there She must make her movement Allah Akbar must be only in there and for a woman she will tie her hand on her chest right not like how we tie she will tie it on her chest and we we tie it below the navel and the palm of the right hand should be placed on the back of the palm of the left hand but for the men we bring it onto the forearm. We bring it onto the forearm for the female in this way. They will actually keep the right hand, the palm, on the back of the palm of the left hand. Or yeh dua pareh. Then a person should read the dua, Subhanak Allahumma wa bihamdika wa tabarakasmuka wa ta'ala jaduka wa la ilaha fayruka. Pir a'udhu billah, o bismillah par kar, Then a person should start with a'udhu. A'udhu is only one time you read it When you're starting, Surah Fatihah in the beginning, that's the only time you say A'udhu. When you read Quran, seek protection from Allah. So you start with A'udhu and then Bismillah. And then you read Surah Fatihah up till And then a person must say "Amin." But for us, the Hanafis, we say "Amin" softly. And for the Shawafi, other mazahib they can say it loudly. But we, we say it softly. Offices. <yêu> the then a person must read bismillah and recite any other surah then, then, then a person must say Allah akbar and then a person goes into ruku and azim teen panch martaba in ruku azim 3 5 or 7 times ruku dono ki when in ruku the female she will keep all her fingers together all her fingers together on the knees when she is in Rupo. now for the male that when a person uh, when he's in sajda when he's in sajda we will keep all the fingers like this together in sajda both hands right so all the fingers must even the thumb see how my thumb is this is how the thumb must be kept also in sajda all the fingers must be joined right in sajda and When a person is in Ruku, for a male, we're talking of the male now. So in Sajdah, all the fingers together in Ruku, spread apart. Spread apart in Ruku, on on the knees. Besides these two postures, besides the sajda and besides the Ruku, in all other postures of Namaz, whether you're saying Allahu Akbar or any other posture, the fingers will be kept normal like this. So, there's only two postures. Or In all other postures, it's normal. Only two postures. One posture, it must be kept completely together, that is in sadhna. And one posture, it will be kept wide apart, that is in ruku. All other postures, you keep your fingers as normal. But for the female, when she is in ruku, her fingers must be kept together. Inshallah, tomorrow, we'll do the practical salah for a little while. So then we can all correct our, uh, our different postures. Uh, Inshallah, we'll see how far we go with this. And when a woman is performing Salah, her forearms, her four this part of the hand, that must be kept together with the body. We ours must be spread apart. Ours is apart. But for a woman, she must keep it together when she's in Ruko. So there's no opening of the body, spreading of the body for a woman. As far as possible, a woman, she must cover herself. There must be sata. So she will keep all the parts of the body together. And we we can spread out the body. So he says, So the two forearms will be kept together with the sides. And the two ankles of the woman, ours must be our feet must be four fingers apart, not more than four fingers apart, and not less than four fingers. Four fingers apart, our feet should be kept in salah throughout the salah for males. But for a woman she must keep her finger her feet her two uh, ankles the two ankles it must be together so the feet for a woman everything is kept close the feet also is closed when she's in ruku also everything is closed when she's in sajda also we do just now everything will be closed in sajda as well like she shrinks herself in sajda and she makes a sajda like that why because the are for a woman even though she's in her own house she's in namaz in her own bedroom and that's the best place for her to read namaz in her room not even in the lounge in the room in the darkest part of the room, she must lead her Namaz, the female. So in every aspect of a Salah, there is for Now you say, And now a person picks the head up, he comes up into the standing, the posture. Now when a person is standing upright, you say Allahu Akbar and you go into sajda so you come up Hamida, rabbana and then a person goes into sajda there are certain duas that have been made, that have been recorded that a person can read in this posture the coma posture and between the two sajda's. these duas must be read in nafil namaz only in nafil namaz in the faraz namaz just rabbana lakal hamd rabbana up to that much and when you come up from one sajda you stop till there is all the limbs of the body come to a complete stop and then you go into the next Sajda. But you don't read do any du'as in the Faraz Namaz, in the coma posture and in the Jalsa posture, the, the, the sitting posture between the two Sajda's. Now when a person is standing, up right now, in the coma posture, now you see Allah and he goes into Sajda. Zameen par pehle rakhe, see this is very important. When we go into Sajdah, the knees must come onto the ground first, generally the knees come first onto the ground, right? So the knees must touch the ground first. Then a person will place the hands, after the knees comes the hands, will be in line with the ears of a person. So because your head goes in between the hands. Isn't that so? So it will be in line with the ears of a person. So the hands will then come onto the ground. And for a woman, the fingers must be kept together. For the man is the same. As I said, for the man in Sajda, the fingers will be kept together. Then the head will be placed between the hands. When you in Sajda, the head also must touch the, the ground and the nose must also touch the ground. Both parts must touch the ground. And the fingers, the fingers of the hand and the toes. For us, for the, for the males, the feet will be kept up and the toes must all be pressed. It, not Many people leave their toes like this. They just leave it on the ground. It must be turned. All the toes must be turned in the direction of the tibla. But for a woman, we keep our legs up, she will not keep her legs up. she will take out her leg towards the right side, towards the right. So a woman this way. But she'll keep the toes in the direction of Kimla, but she'll take the leg out towards the right side. Or hoop Simkar or Kare. The woman, she must now tightly shrink herself and uh, press herself and make Sajda to such an extent dono rano se dono rano se dono pehlu to such an extent that the stomach of the woman now touches the thigh. Right? To that extent she must now shrink herself. And her two sides, the two uh, forearms, that will be joined to the body as well. And in this way she will make a sajda. For a male, when we making sajda, If we performing salah nafil namaz, for example, and there is space, then a person, he must spread his hands out to such an extent in the kitabs of fiqah, a baby goat must be able to pass by. That's how a person must spread out his hands when he's making sajjah. That is for nafil namaz. But if you're going to do that in Faraz namaz, you're going to cause inconvenience to the musalli that is next to you and to cause inconvenience to somebody is haram. So there a person wouldn't spread his hands out to that extent, we'll stop you inshallah. We'll continue from here tomorrow, inshallah. What is questions? Uh, the first one you spoke about was the lady's best to read namaz in the room. Hmm. Now, if in the house you got like a small masala, uh, yeah, if you got a specific area that's uh, for salah only, hmm. then there's no problem with that. But the best place that comes in the hadith is in the room of the woman. So, say, Advise, yeah, Inshallah that will also be fine, that okay. will suffice. And then the second question you said, uh, when you come up from there's uh, the incident of the Sahabi, when he, you know when you read the lecture, when uh, Hamdan and the so you said in the Faraz Salah you don't Not in the Faraz, in the Nafil Namaz. Okay. Right, so, so in Nafil Namaz all these extra duas, but in the Faraz Namaz just the basic. Bismillah ar-Rahman rahim Continuing with this kitab, Anwar al the last we discussed was the point that Sufi Iqbal had brought together. He summarized the bayyan of Hazrat Shaykh Ahmad Shaheed, rahmatullahi. and the first thing he mentioned that we need to bring the importance of Namaz in our heart in order to instill the importance of Namaz in the heart of a person with Fazil Namaz, the kitab of Aziz Shaykh, Fazil Amal, where the virtues of Salah has been mentioned. The second thing is that a person should think again and again, this namaz is no burden on me. It's a great ni'mat of Allah Ta'ala. I cannot make shukr for namaz. And I'm, I'm useless. I'm so useless. But Allah Ta'ala, who is so great, He's the King of Kings, Allah Ta'ala has commanded me to come into His court five times a day. And five times a day present my request, my need before Allah Ta'ala. Thirdly, Allah didn't make me need of taking somebody's permission to come into masjid. Free, free of charge. You come in a masjid, water is free. You come in a masjid, a person goes and utilizes the bathroom. Nobody asks him for money, although it is best that a person contributes. But if he doesn't contribute a cent also, nobody will ask him for a single cent over here. Allah Ta'ala, how how Allah Ta'ala takes care, how Allah Ta'ala puts it in the heart of certain people, they just give and give towards the masajid. So over here, uh, Allah Ta'ala brought me into his house and made everything available for me. And thereafter, Allah wa Taala warned also that a person sometimes is overpowered by his desires. He's feeling lazy. He doesn't want to go for namaz. So there, Allah wa Taala warned you that there's severe warnings for that person that you don't come into my house and perform salah. Now, in spite of all this, if a person he still doesn't come into the court of Allah wa Taala, such a great nayamat, and he doesn't perform salah, then a person uh, and he's taken. He purchases the adab of Allah wa Taala. This is an indication that this is a very foolish person and this is a very, very base person. That's what he says in the end. Right? This shows that it's a very base person, a very, very uh, foolish person that he purchases the adab of Allah Taala and a person he doesn't come to the masjid to perform salah. Number three, namaz me dil ki huzuri, jis ki huzoor ka tareeka to bayan me wadi hai. That the manner of attaining concentration in salah, which was explained in the bayan, that koshish ki jaye that make an effort that namaz ke har rokhan mein kamat kam koi Lahza Zarur huzuri ka mujassar ho. That in every posture of salah, that minimum. That you should think of Allah ho, wa taala for one moment also. That even for a little while every posture in the standing posture at least one time. In ruku at least one time minimum we're talking. In sajda at least one time think of Allah ho, taala. And really if a person only thinks to himself I mean I'm now in the standing posture of salah. He just thinks one time I'm in the standing posture of salah. And namaz is far, and the standing posture is for us. He just thinks of that. You'll see you'll get concentration in salah. To some extent, the mind will come back into Salah. When you go into Ruku, now you just say, I'm in Ruku at the moment. And this is an first posture of Namaz as well. So immediately the mind will go to that and you will get some level of concentration. Is That to gain this concentration in Salah, the explanation that Hazrat Shah Ahmad Shaheed, Rahmatullahi mentioned, and before Allah, I'm before Allah and Allah's focus is now on me. So that was one way of gaining concentration. Like we gave the example, you're working before the boss. How hard you're going to work. So just think I'm before Allah and Allah is focusing on me. So this will allow a person to gain some level of concentration. And with the, the second thing he said to gain that concentration for the heart to be effective affected. Just think of what you are saying. What you are saying, think of that. What you are reading in Salah. If Allah the word of then he fear heart. Allah is mentioned, the person should fear. Ask Allah for protection. And the place of mercy and heart. Allah is mercy, Allah favors. It's been showered upon us. There a person should desire this. He should desire that Allah Ta'ala transmit this. Hmm. And when you're reading Nafil lamas, then to gain this, where a person now, the azab of Allah is mentioned. So a person fears Allah Ta'ala. Where, the, where Allah Ta'ala's Rahmat is mentioned. To desire that Rahmat of Allah and ask for that. He says, in the Nafil Namaz, you can read the verses repeatedly. Even if you read the verse repeatedly just to practice on this. So you get in the habit of fearing that adab of Allah, seeking protection, desiring the Rahmat of Allah and asking for it. If you repeat it, you can do this in Nafil Namaz. So that when you're reading the Namaz later on, in Faraz, Namaz, etc., you will already have that concentration because you practice on it in your Nafil Namaz. So that's the third point that he mentioned. And the fourth point, that after understanding the greatness of namaz, that how great namaz is, that implement all those etiquettes, all those etiquettes that, make your, that will make your salah worthy of acceptance in the court of Allah. All those etiquettes that will make your salah worthy of acceptance in the court of Allah. Implement, act on all those etiquettes. He will explain this. In amongst all the etiquettes. The first is to attain purity. That a person becomes paaq, that a person becomes pure. So in purity a person, when a person goes to become pure, when he makes his wudu, etc. He should be extra careful that he does his wudu properly before that the istinja properly. Dusra namaz ka tariqa, yani wudu or namaz ke fikhi masail. And secondly, a person should learn all the Masail of Wudu, all the Masail of Namaz that have been mentioned in the Kitab, Ta'alimul Islam. That is why we did the Masail of Taharat, the Masail of of Taharat, and of Salah. So that when we are reading Namaz, we know the laws of Salah that I am performing. Now, a person, it will help him to gain concentration in Salah because he knows the laws of Salah. If you don't know the laws of Salah You don't know the laws of tahal and go and learn that first Irrespective of how long it takes If it takes 6 months also no problem Take 6 months But learn the masail of Namaz Learn the masail of Udu And really if you have to really see it, People don't know the masail, The masail of Udu, the masail of Namaz Generally people don't know They're just reading Namaz And they don't know the Messiah. So they think they are reading correctly so even if they're making mistakes for years Because they don't know the Messiah They don't even go and ask anybody what is the Messiah So how important it is that we do this cause We know the Messiah All this will benefit And really we hadn't even started And our 10 days are almost up Which means inshallah if Allah gives us tawfiq next year We'll continue from where we stopped But there's so much to learn <coughs> namaz ke tamam faraiz, wa wajibat Mustahabbat aur mufsidaat wa makroohat Khub pehchanin uh, so that a person knows what is farz in Namaz. If you have to ask what are the farz of Namaz, we would perhaps won't know all the farz of Namaz. What are the sunnats of Namaz? There's approximately 51 sunnats in Namaz. We won't know the 51 sunnats of Namaz. What are the things that are Mustahab in Namaz? What are the things that nullify the Namaz of a person? So all this a person is supposed to know. So if he makes an error in Namaz also, he knows, oh, okay, this was a Mustahab act. So if I miss the Mustahab act, then inshallah my Salah will be valid. But I wouldn't get the reward because I didn't act upon the mustahab. But if he did something that was Mufsidat, the namaz, that corrupts the namaz of a person, he knows that now my namaz became invalid, I have to repeat the namaz all over again. For example, one place we're reading Taraweeh Salah. So the Imam that was there, that was giving Lukma, he said uh, in one place, read this verse. He said, read. So see, when you say read, now that word is an English word out of Quran. What happens? Namaz is invalid, right? Now, when he said read, his namaz became invalid. Though after he said the word, whatever the word was after that, he said the word, for example, alam nashra, read alam nashra. So when he said read, his namaz became invalid. After that, he's he's out of namaz. Now he said alam read, now alam nashra. So when he said alam nashra, when was it? Out of namaz. And when the Imam is reading namaz and somebody out of namaz corrects him, his namaz becomes invalid. So, they can't, can't, the Imam broke his Namaz and he said Allah and started again but the, the, the Imam, the person that gave the Luqma he, he started his Namaz again but the actual Imam who was reading Taraweeh he continued with the Namaz and that Namaz was finished after that whereas, that Namaz was invalid he's supposed to have started the Namaz all over again so see, we don't know the Masail of Namaz if a person makes a mistake in Taraweeh Salah, for example person who was reading four rakats in, he was reading two rakats but somehow he forgot and he went to four rakats. So now what does a person do? So after two rakats he never sat, he stood up and he read two more rakats. So he read four rakats, one shot and in the end he sat. So the last two rakats become valid, the first two rakats become invalid. Even if he makes Sajjah Sahu in the end. So we don't know the Masail. So we need to know the Masail of Salah. is So all these things, what is Mustahab, what is Sunnah, what is Faraz, what is wajib, We keep all this in its respective place. He says all these things, the masail of namaz, etc. Before coming to the Khan ka, to tread the path to Allah, We're supposed to learn all this and now come to learn learn the love of Allah, See, there's a sequence to everything. So at the first level, learn the basic masail. After you know that, now come to learn how to reach Allah Ta'ala. When you know the basic Messiah, you'll do your ibadat correctly. And now very quickly you'll fly and you'll reach Allah Ta'ala. We wrote this as a precautionary measure because some people that make a lot of zikr of Allah but they don't pay any attention to this you are making zikr of Allah taala to reach Allah but the masail of namaz you don't know the masail of taharat a person doesn't know which is much more important unhi maskura bala farais wajibat ka namaz ke har diyan rakna namaz mein ki <Hebrew> huzuri kehlati all these aspects what is farz namaz wajib namaz sunnat namaz mustahab namaz in every posture to be conscious that oh in this posture this is faraz in this posture this is sunnah in this posture this is mustahab to keep this to be conscious of this in every posture of namaz he said this is what you call concentration in salah but because we don't know it so now a person doesn't think of it imagine if in every posture you have to think that this posture is a faraz of namaz for me to sit in the duration of tashahud the first qada if you're reading four akar namaz to read the tashahhud over here, uh, that is wajib. And in the second posture after four rakats, they is fard. Now, if a person is conscious of all this, duru Ibrahim, this is the Sunnah of namaz. The the, the dua that I will read in the end. If I have to miss that out, also no problem. But it is khilaf Sunnah. All this, if a person knows and he thinks of all this, finished. His namaz of concentration. That is what we require to do in namaz. Just do that much. Think of what is wadib, what is parat, what is Sunnat, what is mustahab and your namaz be a salah of concentration. Jiski ehmiyat, Hz. Sayyid sahab rahmatullahi ne bayaan farmaay hai, which Hz. Shah Ahmad Shahid rahmatullahi mentioned in his bayaan. Or namaz mein huzurr-i qalq ka yahi matlab. He said in namaz to have concentration, this is the meaning of this. So then he quotes Hz. Mujaddil al-Fithani rahmatullahi. was a very very great guzroof, Mujaddil al-Fithani rahmatullahi. <laughs> he also said the same thing. So, the Khalifa of Hazrat Mujaddir al-Fethani, Hazrat Mir he mentioned, he wrote that what Hazrat al mentioned. What he said? You should know, Allah keep you on a straight path, that ka Mukamal Kamal, he says that Namaz for your Namaz to be completed and to gain perfection in your Namaz according to Mujaddiri Al-Faqir referring to Mujaddiri Al-Faqir is that a person discharges the Faraiz Wajibat, Sunan, Mustahabbat of Salah. If a person does that much, then he has read a Salah of concentration. And that is the Salah that is desired by Allah Tabbaraqu wa Tala which has been explained in the book of fiqh. And all this have been mentioned in the kitab of fiqh, what is far as wajib, Sunnat, and mustahab. In Char these four things, there is no such thing, which is no such thing in hai. And besides these four things, there is nothing really that is in prayer, which actually contributes to the completion and the perfection of prayer. It is in these four things. Just keep to these four basic things. We ask to do the basics. Just do the basics and your Salah will become correct. That Khushu, the inward concentration of Salah is also connected to this. And the outward the outward Khudu, where our limbs etc, everything has to be done correctly. That is also connected to these four things. So internally and externally, if we know the farai's Wajibat, Mustahabat and Sunan, our work has been done further he says La illa there is no Salah except with concentration where the heart is present in namaz La mein, se murad, maskura, he says that where it says that your heart must be in namaz you must be concentrating in namaz this is pertaining to these four things yani, Namaz ke tamam faraiz wa wajibat sunan mustahabbat ka ada karna. That together with concentration, with focusing in namaz, together with this, fulfill the faraiz, wajibat sunan and mustahabbat. See, he's repeating this again and again and again. That if these matters only come right in our namaz, our namaz will be corrected. That in these four things, there shouldn't be any shortfall, there shouldn't be any deficiency from our side. Is alawa koi Besides these four things, Mujati al fatani is saying. saying he was a great Buzruk of his time. And he is saying, according to my understanding, that besides these four things, there is nothing else. As far as the concentration of salah is concerned. We'll stop, inshallah. There's only one more page to finish this first lesson. I think that's the maximum we'll be able to go to. Inshallah, we we'll do that tomorrow and we we'll do a little bit of the practical sana tomorrow, inshallah. Allah.